0: The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Before I begin the sermon, I just want to express my gratitude and love for you. I am thankful to God for all of you. Because of the work he has done in your life and mine. Um, looking back close to eight years, we have seen so much fruit of God's working in you. It is evident that God has moved among us because of the love we share with one another and the unity we have in the gospel. When Melissa and I, when we were first looking for a church, uh, we needed one badly and God gave us a home here a fountain of life fellowship. He knew God knew exactly what we needed. God knew that we needed a group of people that love God and love his people and that were faithful to his word. Many of you, right, can attest to this that over the time that you've been here your perspectives on life probably changed, right? Where life is it makes more sense in the lens of the gospel. And from that gospel, my family and I experienced wonderful fellowship from all of you. Sunday services, uh, growth groups, Bible studies, home visits, meals, coffee, the joys of a newborn and sorrows of lost loved ones all of which we were able to endure because of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the hope we have in him. I mean, we went through a lot. We went through so much. And I'm just so thankful to God that you are faithful to him. He has truly blessed my family and I. We were formulated here. We were formed into what we are today. I'm very thankful for the elders and deacons uh, they love the Lord Jesus Christ. They serve him with great love. And that same love, they serve you. I'm, we're thankful for all the volunteers who take part in this church. This church is run by volunteers. And they, they volunteer because of their love to Jesus Christ and his gospel. And just a word for volunteers. If you feel like your service is overlooked, or not thanked just know this that Jesus Christ sees your work he sees it from its accomplishment to its very intention and he will reward you keep serving keep loving God's people keep pouring yourselves into this church because when time when hard times comes and it's coming It will take a church like this, united in the gospel, to endure, to make it through. So, with that in mind, let us pray and ask God's help for this text. Heavenly Father, you have again opened a door for us to come into your presence. That through Jesus Christ, we are not coming into your presence as slaves, We are not coming in as co-counselors. We are not coming in as visitors. But when we come into your presence through Jesus Christ, we are coming in as children. Uh, Special privileges have been given to us that are not available to anyone else. And we're here, Lord, because of the great work you have done. That through the gospel, you have brought all of us together. You have made a church here. You are taking people and renewing them in their mind and in their love and in their hearts, Lord. Are you doing a great work of sanctification in your people? And I just pray, Lord, as I go through this text, that you would help me to be faithful to the text, faithful to my brothers and sisters, faithful to you, that we would all be strengthened with power through your spirit, that Christ may dwell in our hearts more and more. That when we go out of this place, Lord, our lives will be marked by our love to Jesus and love for each other. Lord Jesus, only you can do this. We have the truths in our Bibles and in our minds. And we want them pressed down more and more into our hearts. That they would take root in our innermost being. So that when we go out, our actions will reflect that truth. Help us, Lord, to... Live for you. Help us, Lord, to comprehend something of your gospel. Help us, Lord, to know the love of Christ. Help us to pray for one another. Help us to see the wonderful benefits we have in the gospel. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we celebrated the Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection. And how it is true and beautiful. Today I want us to remember the promises that the resurrection bought us. And then later I want to go further and I want to put into practice this prayer. That we would take a few minutes towards the end of the sermon to pray for one another. Um, But before we do that, let's remember who we were before the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm taking this only from the book of Ephesians. So in chapter 1 and chapter 2, we get these hints of who we were before Jesus Christ saved us. The Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Uh, We were following the course of this world, living only for our own passions of flesh and mind. We were by nature children of wrath. We were separated from Christ, alienated and strangers to the promises of God. We were without hope and without God in this world. We were far off. We didn't have peace with God. That is our normal state before Christ came in. That is the normal state of a lot of humans. That is the, that's, the normal, that's the state of some of our own family members. That is the state of our mom, our dad, our brother, our sister, our cousin, our nephews, our nieces, our grandchildren. This is the state of our neighbors, our business partners. Living in this world without hope and without God. They're just following the course of this world. They are just going with whatever makes them feel good. That is what is leading them. That is where we were. That is where we were. The most alienated, the most far away from God as possible. But God. He is rich and glorious in his grace. He is immeasurable in his power, grace, and kindness towards us. He is rich in mercy, rich and grand in his love for us, lavish in his giving. He gives and he gives and he gives and he gives, and he is open to his children. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, this is what he what was given to us. We were blessed with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, and there's about seven of them. I'm just going to, actually about eight of them. I'm going to just list them off. They're taken from chapter one, if you want to follow along. Chapter one, verses three, down to 14. We were chosen... Before the foundation of the world. You want to think about God's grand, immeasurable love and kindness towards us that before the foundation of the world, we were chosen. We were predestined for adoption. Now, this is, we're going to talk about that later. But just think about this the creator of the universe predestined you to be his child. Uh, The child that used to be the child of wrath and the child of darkness, God in his kindness claimed you. He takes you away from the family of darkness, the family of wrath, the family of horrific, no hope, no light. He comes in his kindness and claims you as his own child. He did not go and conquer the kingdom of darkness to take you as a slave. He came and took you as his child. He adopted you. He, we have redemption through his blood. All the stains of our sins, all of the, the debt that we owe, all the crimes that we have committed against the king of kings that's supposed to launch us into hell forever, we have redemption through his blood. It wasn't our work. It was the work of Jesus Christ on the cross but we have the forgiveness of our sins we have been given wisdom and insight about god's will that god wanted to unite things through the cross to himself you know what else we get by being adopted an inher- in, in an, an, an inheritance wow that was a hard one to say <laughs> inheritance we have been given we have been given a hope that will turn to praise. How often do we receive hope from this world and it never turns to nothing? How often do we set our hope on something and it vanishes right before our eyes? But here in God's richness and His kindness and His grace towards us, our hope will be turned into praise. How do we know that? How do we know? Well, Last week, we celebrated it. When Jesus Christ died and he was buried, all hope seemed to be lost, but he rose from the dead, confirming that all the promises of God will be brought to you. All of them will be turned into praise. But what if I lose that hope? What if I don't believe it as much? Well, last one, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. God has sealed you with his spirit. This spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the guarantee of our inheritance. It's the down payment that one day we will receive the inheritance from God. So just take a step back. Remember, you were condemned. (laughs) There was no hope for you. And God and his richness and his kindness and his love from before the foundation of the world came to claim you. To take you away from that status of child of wrath and to be called a child of the creator of all things. So with this in Paul's mind, it launches him into prayer. He wrote all of this. I just pulled out from Ephesians all these truths. When you go home, read them, but you will also see two things. You'll see one, glorious truth, and number two, Paul running to God that he would apply these truths. Paul doesn't want these truths just to be in his head. Someone can topple over with all these wonderful truths staying in his head. No, he wants them pressed down into the heart. And he cannot do that just by writing a letter. He can't do that begging them in his face. God has to do a work. God has to take his hand and press these truths down into the heart. And so that is why he is praying. He is praying. What motivates his prayer are the promises of the gospel. And though it is hard to comprehend God's love, and though it is hard kind of fathom it, it does not change the promises. God doesn't limit his love for you based on how much and how good you believe his promises. These are all available to you now. If you are in Christ, you have full access to the Father now. Full access. There's no paywall. (laughs) There's no ad. (laughs) skip ad in five seconds. No, there's none of that. You get all of God. And what's so incredible, I'm trying to think of like, how do I I try to explain this a little bit more clear? What kind of illustration can I use? And as I'm thinking that, I'm sitting in the uh, the new office that I have in, in the house, and one by one, my children come in. Daddy, can you do this? Daddy, can you do that? Daddy, he did this. Daddy, he did that. Daddy, daddy, daddy. I'm like thinking, wow, what's going on here? I can't go to the President of the United States and walk into his door. Hey, could you uh, fix this problem? Can I? No. No, I cannot. I cannot go to the king and just walk in there. Hey, uh, I need help. But you know who can The children of the king. The children of the president. My children have full access to me. I can't lock them out. And even if I try to lock them out, which I did, they know how to open the door. <laughs> there's, no, there's no true lock in the house. And if I, if I locked it, then there's banging. So there's, you know. And I love it. That's the thing. Me, as a wicked sinful, redeemed sinner, who's trying to live like Christ, loves to serve his children. How much more God loves to serve his children? How much more God is open to his children to come to him? So much greater. So much greater. So with this in mind, what Christ has done, giving us access to the Father, Paul writes this second prayer in the book of Ephesians. So verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. I bow my knees. In his time, if you wanted to pray, you stood up. You had a posture of prayer. You stood up. You either looked to heaven. That was just normal for him in this day. Paul saying, I bow my knees is he's strongly entreating or he's strongly begging his father. Remember, Paul is uh, not at home. Uh, He doesn't have a car. He is not free to visit this church. He is in a prison, uh, a locked prison. He doesn't have access. He probably doesn't have a cushion. There's stones on the floor. It's probably wet. I'm just trying to paint a picture. It's not well lit. It's dim. But that doesn't stop him from praying. That doesn't stop him from praying. You know what's so incredible? There's a lot of talk about silencing other people. That happens in our culture, right? It happens all the time. You can't say that. You can't do that. You can't do this. Even if Paul is stuck in a prison, He's still able to pray. A prison is not made up of concrete and bars. A true prison be one of the heart, where they feel constricted, where they feel concealed. They cannot. They're stuck. They cannot do anything. But here, Paul finds access to the Father. And right now, you have access to the Father, even as I say this. You can pray to the Father, even right now and he is fully available to you. Notice also, from whom the whole family, I said, not every family. Uh, It's it's better to think of it, the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. Paul is just thinking of all the saints that that have been saved by this wonderful gospel. They are named. They have been given a new name, and they have been named because Father, we are named children of God. And so he goes to his father on his knees, praying for the church that he cannot see all the time. In a way, this is my prayer request from you. I won't be here all the time to see you, and it hurts. But you can pray for me, and I will be praying for you. And this same prayer, I want you to pray for me while I pray for you. Let's see. What is he asking God on his knees begging him? What is he begging him for? That according, verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Stop right there. He's praying that the church will be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in the inner being. What does that mean? Well, it is the core of who you are, where your will, where your affections are. He wants you to be strengthened there through his spirit. And here he says, so that Christ may dwell. We need to be, in a way, submitted to the strength of the spirit. So that when Christ comes to dwell, he's not dwelling as an unwanted visitor. This dwelling, by the way, is not about salvation. It's about sanctification. The more Christ dwells in your heart, the more you live for him, you see. But if you're not strengthened with with his spirit in your innermost being, and you're hanging on to some sins, or you're hanging on to your old nature, Christ won't be dwelling Like it's his home. You see the closeness of God here. That God is not just so far away, but he makes his home in you. He wants them to be rooted and grounded in love. He also prays this according to the riches of his glory. Um, He doesn't want God to hold back. He wants God to be glorified on this earth. And one way he does that is the way he's been doing it through you to me. You live out God's will. You live out God's love to each other and to me. And this brings glory to God. How is it? That God can bring a group of people together who used to be this wicked group of people, enemies of God, but then bring them into a home, a church, a building, and they love each other. And they sacrifice for each other. There's only one answer, and that's to his glory. He's done this. He has done this. So the first part of this prayer is, Lord, strengthen them with power through your spirit. May your spirit take its full residence in them. May they find submission to your will beautiful and easy. May they love you, Lord. May they let Christ dwell. May they hold nothing back. If any sin is nagging at them, may they let it go. May Christ take his full residence in them. That's the first part of his prayer. All the truths I've said before are still a reality. They just have to believe it. They have to try to grab it for themselves. They are brought into Christ, and Christ is already dwelling in their hearts. But there's room for growth. There's room for sanctification. There's room to let more and more and more sin go. There's room to let more and more of yourself go. You you don't live like you used to. You don't just carry out the passions of your flesh. You carry out his will for you. This word dwell, again, just again, another reminder. Christ is taking his residence in you. Wow. So that the the, the king of kings, the creator of all things, I mean, heaven can't hold him. Earth is his footstool, but he decides to make his home in you. Wow. It's so glorious, isn't it? Is it not? Here, uh, being rooted and grounded in love, um, this is a passive term. You don't root yourself in love and ground yourself in love. This is God doing it in you. So the more you submit to the Spirit's leading in your life, in your innermost being, the more grounded you are in His love. That's, and then the second part of the prayer, verse 18. According to the riches of His glory, that you may be strengthened to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth, and to know The love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Stop right there. Paul in a prison writing this letter. I mean, he could have he, I mean, if he had the opportunity, maybe he could have written a hundred volumes on the love of Christ. He could have filled a whole library of it. But he wrote briefly about it, and he goes to the Father, and he knows that the church is going to read his letter. He knows that the church is going to study his letter. And he just doesn't want them to study it with their own comprehension. He doesn't want them to use earthly philosophy. He wants them to be strengthened by God's spirit. Why? To comprehend with all the saints. So this language right here, breath and length and height and depth, this is just... Vastness. We saw the breath. God's love extends cultures, right? Jew and Gentile, Jew and non Jew. God's love extends cultures. That's the breadth of it. There's no limit to how far His love can reach. What about the length of it? His love started from before the foundation of the world. And His love for you is not going to end when you die, His love for you will endure for all eternity. There's such a grand length. There's no stopping his love. What else? What about his height? The height of his... Who is the one that loves us? The greatest, the supreme being of the universe? How high can you go? Is there anything higher than the creator? Everything else is under the creation category. There's nothing greater than the creator. The height... What about the depth of his love? How far did his love reach? And you who were dead in your trespasses and sins, following the course of this world, children of wrath, alienated strangers, without hope, without God, without light, the lowest of lows, and his love caused the king of glory to come live a life that is pleasing to the Father so that he can give that life to the one who is dead. That that same power that rose Jesus from the dead is given to dead sinners. And these dead sinners rise from the dead and they walk in a newness of life. That's how grand and how vast it is. Now, I could say that, but Paul is praying that God will have them be able to comprehend it. This knowledge, is, it, it, the love of Christ surpasses knowledge. There's no textbook here on earth that could explain to you the depth of it. You have to experience it. And Paul knows that. There's no teacher that could teach it, and you could walk away, wow, I can comprehend the whole love of Christ. He knows that. But he's going to the Father who wants, he wants to strengthen. He's asking God, strengthen them with power through your spirit. Lord, give fountain of life your spirit. May you empower them, Lord, in the depths of their innermost being that Christ may dwell there, that they will be able to comprehend and to know your love. In a sense, uh, you can't get enough of the love of Christ. We may think we have a good hold on it. We may think that we've reached some sort of plateau (laughs) <laughs> in our knowledge of the love of Christ. But even Paul saying, you need more. You need more. You're basically at the foothill of a Mount Everest. You could spend all your life, even all eternity, trying to search out the love of Christ, and there's still more. There's still more. And all of this is for you now because of what we celebrated last week. If Jesus stayed in the grave, we would still be without hope. If Jesus stayed in the grave, he had sins to pay for. But he didn't because he paid for your sins and my sins. The third and final prayer request is verse 19, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God you notice this prayer started kind of, the three requests went large, medium, small. It's all the same idea. That Christ may fully enrich you. You you would be strengthened to comprehend. You would be given a new sense of his love for you that you haven't had before. Nothing new, but a new depth to it still the same story. This this gospel doesn't stop with our generation. There will be generations rising after us, and this gospel will still be true. God doesn't need a new gospel. He doesn't need to show his love in a different way. He's shown it perfectly, and it's in the cross of Christ. So don't lose heart. This world wants to steal your joy. This world wants to steal your hope. But Christ comes and he's given you complete access to the Father. You're his child. Even if it's hard to believe it, you gotta. If you believe in Christ and you trust your life to him, you have been given a new title. It's not condemned sinner anymore. It's child of God. And he's, now he ends his prayer with a doxology. And I love how he describes this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, When you become a Christian, God has placed a power in you. That power is the same power that rose from Jesus from the dead. And it's working within us. It's never going to stop working. It will accomplish what it purposes. Who gets the glory? He does. Verse 21, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So because of all these truths that we have, that Jesus bought for us, we should pray for one another. When we leave here, you should pray, God, apply what was spoken today to my heart. May I get a greater glimpse of your love for me? Imagine that. Imagine your son or daughter comes up to you and says, God, can you show me that you love me? Yes, how? That right now. Before you come to church on Sundays, pray. God, open my eyes. Not just my eyes. I pray for my brothers and sisters. Open their eyes too. May we all lay aside our pride. May we lay aside all our sin and come in humility as children to the Father who loves you so much. So I just want to take a few moments now, about three to four minutes, and pray. Um, I'm going to pray up here in about three minutes, four minutes, to end the service. But right now, in our silence, or out loud, however you want, find someone to pray for. Pray that God will open their eyes to a new, greater level of love okay? Pray that they would be strengthened by his Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much, Lord, that you have made a way for us to again be in your presence, again as your children. May we never forget that we have been adopted so undeserving, but yet you are so rich in love. I pray, Lord, that you would answer our prayers that we just prayed to you. Lord, you've heard them even when we prayed them in silence. Lord, we bow the knees of our hearts, Lord, in submission to you. We are so thankful that we get to learn more and more about the love of Christ every day. It doesn't run out. It doesn't get weaker. It grows, It's growing in our hearts. It's perfect. Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for the access that we have to you. May we not neglect that. May we not get distracted. May we not place our hope in anything else. Strengthen us, Lord. May we have these promises become a reality in our lives. May you dwell in our hearts and in our midst without hindrance, Lord. May we lay aside our sins that have no more control over us. We are not in that prison anymore. May we, may, may we live for your glory and your wonderful love. May we express our love to each other in that way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.